Well, I appreciate you guys being here. Um, you're kind of the uh, uh, already convinced. That's typically who comes to learn about small groups, uh, but maybe you're not. And so this is a chance to to help uh, teach you some things about small group ministry and, and uh, help convince you of some stuff. Uh, by the way, Chad just made it in, and anytime you communicate with Chad, you always pose it in a question because <laughs> so you look good. Uh, anyway, question. Mark. So uh, we're, I'm really glad you guys are here. Um, so what I want to do this morning is, uh, is kind of talk to us about uh, really rounding out our small groups, because a lot of small groups uh, end up defaulting into just being a Bible study. And so I called the class Beyond the Bible Study. It's about doing life together, but it's also about giving life together. And so what I want to do is talk to us about balance, because um, that's one of the struggles that we fall into with small groups ministry, is that sometimes our groups get together and... It's easier a lot of times just to do a Bible study and uh, leave some of the other components out. And so what I want to help us talk about uh, is, is how can we really make our groups balanced? If we go back and kind of look at Scripture, uh, really we have more uh, of a uh, process for us on how to do a small group from Scripture than we do about how to do our worship assembly. When you stop and think about what we do in our worship assembly, we've kind of inferred a lot of stuff and put it together and then taken tradition and history and built our services around that. But if we go back into scripture, we can look at things like how the church operated in, in, in the book of Acts, and you see what, what was the church? It was a group, it was a group of small groups. Right? And that's what it was. It was people meeting in their homes daily, and, and it was people fellowshipping and they, they were serving together. And they were studying together, and so we really had more of a theology about how to do small groups than we do about our assembly. And so, regardless, what I want to do is, is kind of help us look at how can we maximize our time together when we're in a, a small group. Raise your hand in, uh, if you're in one right now. Okay? All right. Um, one of the other things I want to help us do is also kind of look at the context of, of what, what really is a small group. Uh, it, I think that the, uh, the ladies group that meets on Wednesday morning up here in the, uh, the cafe is a small group. It's a group that functions well together. They take care of each other. Uh, they are active in each other's lives. Uh, they're, they're studying the word. They serve together. They do things to reach people together. And so it doesn't have to always be in the context of a home, I guess is what I want to say to this, uh, in order for it to function that way. And they function very well that way. And so there are lots of contexts where, where we're in small groups and, and are able to do that. Um, but what I want to kind of talk about first off is uh, just this theme of reach up, reach in, and reach out. Because really this is what drives our small groups. This is what our small groups are about. There should be a time of... of reaching up, a time of worship to God, a time where we come together in our groups and we celebrate who God is, what God's done in our life. And that can be done in, in the form of doing some worship. It can be uh, in our Bible study time, but it's all about focusing on God, reaching up. And then there's that time of connection, that reaching in, where we're taking care of one another, 
and, and we're, we're uh, making sure that no one's falling behind or being left out. We're providing for each other. And then there's that third element of reaching out. Now, this is a part where a lot of small groups struggle. Uh, because what happens is we enjoy that reaching up and that reaching in so much that we forget to do the reaching out part. Okay. Come on in, guys. Glad you're here. We can start now. So, <laughs> he's going to have some comments, I know. So, um, but you know what I mean? A lot of times we struggle at that point. Of we, we get the reach up and the reach in really well, but the reaching out we struggle with. And so when I talk about us doing life together but also giving life, that's really what we've been called to do, isn't it? I mean, we've been called to be, to be these ambassadors for Christ, to be ministers of reconciliation, reconciling people to God, to be reconciling people to each other, reconciling people to us. We've been called to go and make disciples. And so this part gets left out so many times in our small group ministry. So, when I talk about balance, I really want us to, to focus on that. And I really think this happens three ways. So there's three things, but it happens three ways. It happens on the individual level. So as an individual, in my own life, I should be doing these three things anyway. I should be worshiping God, right? I should be, I should be looking for people that I can connect with, that I can minister to in that way. And then beyond that, I should be reaching out. I have a personal responsibility from God, a call of God in my life to be reaching out and serving others, right? And so it happens on the individual level that I should be doing that. And then it happens, second, uh, in a small group context. Our small groups should be doing this. They should be worshiping. They should be connecting. They should be reaching out. And then it happens on a third level, and that's corporately with the whole body, the whole body of Christ. We come together on Sunday morning and worship. We break into small groups because we can't really do the connect part very well when we're all 600, 700 of us together. (coughs) But then as a body, together we go and we reach out and serve, right? So it really happens on three levels when you think about it. And and we're called to do that. One of the things I want to do for us for a moment is help us think about how we can do it naturally. Because... What's kind of happened in the church over the last 40, 50 years or longer is we've become kind of program-centric, and we've expected the church to kind of create all of our ministry for us, all of our worship for us, all of our connection for us, and, and we're not really figuring out how to do it on our own. And so if the church doesn't have something on the calendar for me to do, a lot of times we just don't do it, Right? And we fill up our time with other things. Not that any of those things are bad, but our time gets full of other things. So I want you to think about two things. And I talked about this last week in in my class about service. Um, But I want you to think about where you live right now at this moment. And I want you to think about the people who live in the houses next to yours. Or if you live in an apartment, those who live in the apartments next to yours. And the first question I want to ask you is, do you know any of their names? Because a lot of times we live next to people and we don't even know who they are. We, we can have neighbors across the street for years and not know who they are, not interact with them. 
So the, the first thing is think about the people on your street. Let's not, let's not try to take this uh, to uh, uh, the city of San Angelo or if you live in Wall or Miles or wherever it is you live. Let's, let's just think of your street. Do you know the names of those people? Might be a little harder for you guys. <laughs> I'm Cristobal. But, but do you have neighbors? Do you know your neighbors? And then the second question I want you to ask about those people is, do you know anything about them? Do you know anything about them? Sometimes more than we want. Okay. <laughs> you know what you bring up? I mean, I, I wasn't even ready to go there yet, but I, I will. <laughs> you know, the Bible teaches tough love. But who in what Christian is not a sinner? True. A lot of people, they have, they have hang-ups about going under the invitation. They, they got to go to a group that's perfect. And there's no one perfect. Exactly. Because, you know, our salvation is a gift to you. Preach We're done. Amen. But no, you're right. We should be real and calm about reaching out and expect people to say no most of the time. Even though Apostle Peter, not Peter, but Paul was told no a lot of times. Very well said. I was going to say, to, to tie into what you're talking about, the Bible teaches tough love. Now, we think of tough love as, uh, um, well, how, how would you describe tough love? Anybody? Yeah. How would you describe it? It means expecting other people to do what they're supposed to do and not to go do it for them and not rescue them all the time. Yeah. That's the concept that we have created today. I think the Bible teaches tough love in a completely different way. Because the Bible says this, love your enemy. <laughs> what did that just do? That just flipped the script, didn't it? The tough part's on me. i got to love these people regardless. If I'm really going to do love the way I'm called to do love, it doesn't matter who they are or what's going on in their life, I'm supposed to love them. I'm supposed to engage them. I'm supposed to be Christ to them. Think of how that changes your neighborhood. Because you've got that annoying neighbor, Right? <laughs> the one that doesn't ever, you know, instead of mowing their yard every week, it's once a month, or you finally go do it for them or something, right? Or you call the city on them. Uh, um, it's uh, the neighbor that uh, they, they have 94 vehicles, you know, and there's never a place for you to park. Or your friends come over, they have to park four blocks away, you know, all these things. Or it's the neighbor that's... Uh, uh, I don't know, what would, what would your neighbor issues be? The goats are too loud? Uh, Alabama fans. Alabama fans. And we're done. All right. <laughs> the angels are rejoicing this morning, I tell you. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? We've got those people. But not only there, but the people we work with sometimes, right? And, and what does Scripture call us to do? Love them. <laughs> it flips the script. We're the ones that are responsible. You know, we're the ones, uh, what, what does the Scripture say? As far as it's possible with you, live at peace. You know, I mean, and it's a struggle. So sometimes what happens is we get to this reach out part and we go, no, I don't want to deal with these people. So it's easier just to go, man, let's just get together and glorify God. 
right? Let's just get together and talk about it and do a Bible study because God's worthy of our praise, which is true. Because I don't want to deal with this guy, you know? I, I don't want to deal with them. And yet that's what we're called to do. One of the things we have to do is start looking at people not as problems to be solved, but people to be served and people to be loved. That's how we've got to start looking at folks. We've got to quit looking at people as problems to be solved. They're not projects. And so when we start really taking on the mind of Christ and seeing people the way Christ sees them, worthy of his own life, maybe it'll change the context of of how you and I individually approach reaching out, of how we approach it as a small group, and how we approach it as a church. That, that people are worthy of our time. People are, are worthy of our sacrifice. And so that's that's really what I want to help us kind of see this morning. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, hand these. If I hand these out the way I normally hand them out, <laughs> I just throw it up in the air. Um, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to be somewhat of a gentleman. <laughs> I remember the first time I did a teacher in-service training, and I had all these administrators, superintendent, everybody there, and I took all these papers, and I just threw them up in the air like that and said, everybody get one, and they all just sat there stunned. Like, <laughs> and I, then I grabbed pencils, and they looked, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's just go. Anybody else need one? Take the next one over here. Everybody got one? We're going to share. There's a marriage class right there. That's the next class. I'll share. All right. I looked at a lot of scripture kind of thinking about what we're going to do and Kind of went to First Peter and, and saw some things here that really kind of help us talk about this concept. Um, First Peter uh, 4, this little section from verse 8 through verse 11 uh, is really rich. And so, uh, but this idea of reaching up or celebrating God or magnifying God, of loving God. Okay, I mean, we can say it so many different ways. Um, But I want us to think about this in context of our small groups for a moment. As we grow deeper in our relationship with God, we celebrate him for what he's doing in our lives personally and in the church corporately. And so the scripture from 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised. God may be glorified. God may be celebrated. May be magnified through Jesus Christ so to him be the glory and the power forever and ever amen and so I've, I've just kind of put some 
uh, core values of what it means, of what our celebration of God, our reaching up should be. Uh, we're to be people transformed by the Word of God rather than shaped by traditions or culture. Um, and so when you think about your own worship, are your priorities consistent with those of Jesus and His Word? Priorities. Are, are these priorities? Reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. Because remember, what, what was Jesus here for? People. He said, I came to what? To serve and not be served. His very name, Emmanuel, was about God's presence among people. God with us. He came for us. And so, is that a priority in our life? To be with people? Probably not for some of us, because some of us find people annoying. And so, one of the things that I would ask you to do is just pray to God every day. God, give me a heart that cares for others the way you do. Give me a pure heart that sees others as worthy of my time. Um, We're to cultivate an intimate relationship with God every day. Uh, Is your relationship uh, with God becoming more prayerful, more enthusiastic, more bold? And then there's different ways that you can live that out within the church, corporately. I mean, intercessory prayer, prayer, Helping uh, with spiritual formation classes. Um, Our technical ministries is a way, because what are you doing? You're helping the whole body to be able to bring glory to God. Uh, Greeters, the nursery, I mean, there's so many different ways. All right, reaching in. So while on our spiritual journey, because I think we forget, we haven't arrived, right? We experience biblical community as we connect with others through weekly small groups. So 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9, he says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins and offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That last word gets you. It does, doesn't it? It does. So we need to be, we are hopefully becoming a church of vibrant small groups. Are you engaged in a group? Um, if not, I really want to challenge you to be part of one and get with me. I'll help you find one. Uh, and we're to ensure that every meeting and activity intentionally fits our mission. The mission for this year, uh, for well, <laughs> not just this year, but always, but, but this year we're focusing on this concept of reaching up, reaching in, reaching out, of reaching people, of reaching God, of reaching one another, of reaching. So, um, Places to do this, uh, small groups, being a group leader, having a host home, helping with recovery groups, uh, outreach groups. There's so many different ways we can do that. And then this third thing, reach out, uh, contribute, impact the world. Uh, Expanding your vision of what God can do through and in your life, we impact our world as we contribute regularly to God's work using our unique talents, passions, and resources. So, verse 10 Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. Faithful administering God's grace in its various forms. See, I I, I really want us to hit that concept there. That what we're doing is that we're taking God to people. That we're being people who are administering God's grace to others. 
it, it's not enough just to serve because for decades I spent 40, 50 bucks a month on my, my membership dues in the Rotary Club and we did service projects all the time. That doesn't mean God got glorified in it. You know, there's tons of ways out in the community that, that you and I can go out and serve and do things, but God doesn't get the glory. What are we called to do as Christ followers? To be the light, to be salt, to go out and, and to proclaim Jesus. And so as we serve, we're to be administering God's grace to others, and they need to know about this wonderful God who gives us this peace that surpasses all understanding, that gives us this joy in our life. That's what we're called to do. You know, when you say to be salt and light, those are those better qualities that we attain by doing the, 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 the comments that are made before the two, two passages are the outward. The outward yeah. You have to have the outward in order to develop the inner, inner yeah. qualities. So he's saying, you know, right before talk, uh, Jesus talks to us about being salt and light in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the Beatitudes, right? right? And he takes us through all those and says, this is who you're supposed to be. And once we... Once we are in alignment with that call of God in our life, it's really a lot more simple. I'm not going to say it's always easy because it's not, but it's it's more simple for us to be salt and light and because of who our nature became. It's important we attain those two inner life qualities because you never know who you're going to be influencing. People watch us and we don't even know they're watching. So you, you hit the word I want to talk about today, and that's influence. So, I had you think about your neighborhood a while ago. And, and here's what I honestly believe. I believe that God put you in that house that you're in right now, strategically and supernaturally, so that you can be there and minister to those people that live right around you. We do not have to go out and seek and, and, and try to contrive and find a, a group of people to serve. God's already put you where you're at right now for those people. I believe he did that on purpose. So that the word I like to use or the phrase I like to use is so that you can be the chaplain on your block. That when a crisis occurs on your block, the first home they think of is yours. Why? Because Christ emanates from that home. And they know that that's a place of safety. They know that's a place where they can come and they can be uh, ministered to. Where their, their hurts can be healed because of Jesus living through you. We don't have to try to create some kind of environment or, or any uh, false whatever for us to go and be Jesus. We've got the opportunity right there. Uh, most all of us live on a street, and I realize a lot of us don't in here, but most of us live on a street where there's at least 10 other houses or 9 other houses. We've got a natural mission field already <coughs> where we can be Christ and we can influence people. So the, the Apostle Paul uses a word in Scripture, it's oikos, it's not the yogurt, um, but it really describes family is what it's talking about. And the concept of, of, of this oikos is that, that God has given you this group of people for you to steward. Okay, He's put these people, this family, this household in your life, these, these people around you for you to steward. That's your job, is to, to help them, guide them as they go through life and engage things. And so what I want you to do right now, and uh, you may remember Scott sharing something like this with you about a year ago, uh, uh, as I, I shared this with him, and he, he was like, man, that's so obvious to us, and I, I think it is, but I want to I say it again to us this morning. Think about your daily routine. 
and the fact that every week you encounter pretty much the same 8 to 15 people. Right? There's about 8 to 15 people, unless you're a school teacher, that you encounter <laughs> regularly every week. We have a lot of school teachers. But think about that. It's the barista at the, at the coffee shop that you go to every day or every Monday or every Friday to celebrate whatever it is. It's the same clerk at the uh, post office or at uh, uh, the gas station, the convenience store that you go to. Uh, it's the people you work with. Uh, it's the FedEx driver that comes in every day uh, and drops off or picks up. It's... Uh, you just think about who, who it's people in your own home, right? Now, you have the opportunity to influence these people. Again, God, I believe, has given those people to you strategically and supernaturally so that you have a natural mission field. You don't have to look beyond that 8 to 15 people to figure out, oh, there's people for me to, to serve. Here's, here's what you've got in that. You've got three types of people in that group of 8 to 15. Are you thinking of names right now? Are you putting faces in front of yourself right now? Think there's three types of people in that group. The first person is obvious. There are people in that group that need to be evangelized. Okay, They, they need Jesus in their life. And they need someone to speak into their life and evangelize them. Okay. That's part of this reaching out, isn't it? That's what we're, we're called to do. There are people that, that we need to, to be uh, telling about Jesus Christ and leading them closer. So think about your 8 to 15 folks. Maybe your group's a little larger. You can identify people right now in that group that you know need to be evangelized. And I believe God put you right in the middle of that group of people for you to influence them that way. The second type of person that's in your group is that Christ follower that's really not following right now. Sometimes we call them backsliders, right? And those are people that need to be energized. I'm a preacher, so there's always going to be alliteration. Right? They need to be uh, energized. They need you to come alongside of them and, you know, spur them on. Put your spurs on, okay? Spur them on so that they can spur them on toward love and good deeds. They, they need to get back in and they need you. They need you to care enough about them. Think about your group because you know that in that group there's some folks that, that you see all the time that are Christ followers that are not following, that are not living out their life. And I believe God puts you there in their life for you to influence. And the third type of person that's in your group, and this should cover all the people in your group now, you can assign them all to one of these categories. It's that Christian that's doing well and just needs to be encouraged. Good job. I'm excited about what you're doing here with Jesus, for Jesus. I want to do it with you. You have influence over these people. If we were to, to think about it, and I were to try to draw your sphere of influence here, and I put eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
eight people on your, your deal here, you're in the middle. You have the opportunity to influence these people. Now think about it for a second. With this 8 to 15, if, if it's somebody who needs to be evangelized, so now you've brought this person to Christ, here's the unique thing about that person that needed Christ. They have a sphere of influence too that has 8 to 15 people. And as you disciple them and help them in their journey with Christ, what are they going to do now? Do the same thing with their group of 8 to 15. And they're going to help them see that they need Jesus in their life. And they're going to help energize some Christians that, that have quit walking the walk. And they're going to encourage other Christians that are doing well in their group. And, and it's just going to go down the line. You're going to have people there. Are they always going to respond to our evangelism? No, I understand that. But do we give up? No, they're, they're, they're right there with us. We might need to change our methodology. Some of us may need to think about the way we're approaching that evangelism, right? But God gave them to us. So think about our church. So let's just say, I, I don't know how many families there are in the church. I'm just I'm going to name a ridiculous number. This probably this is too many families because we're only having about between 650 to 750 show up every week. But let's say there were 600 families. Okay, that, that's, that's and that, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> I think about it. <laughs> let's just say 600 people. Let's don't make them families. If 600 people had just eight people that they were influencing, oh, guess what? Those 600 people have at least eight people they're influencing, right? So if 600 of us were influencing eight people, anybody got an idea how many, what that number is? There we go. 4,800 people being impacted by this church that are being influenced, that are being evangelized, energized, and encouraged. Wow! What an impact! But remember, what are they going to do? They're going to do the same thing to their folks. Think of the, the ripple effect of what's going on here. I mean, if, if there were 15 that were being influenced by the 600... Oops, 600, not 6,000. Boy, that'd be awesome, too. Um, we got 9,000 people directly being influenced by this church because we're evangelizing, we're energizing, and we're encouraging. You know why you need your small group? Because sometimes you need to process this stuff, and you get to somebody and you're going... Man, I've been trying to, to evangelize Don, and everything I've tried, it's just kind of, it's not working. <laughs> guess what your small group does? First off, your small group's constantly lifting Don and you up in prayer. But they're also talking to you about how you're doing it. And they're saying, well, maybe I can help you. So maybe what we need to do to help Don know the love of Jesus Christ is we need to serve Don. <laughs> Because I promise you that more people have been brought to Christ by being loved to Christ than by being lectured to Christ. Amen. So you know why you need your small group? Because Don needs your small group. Because Don needs Jesus. And so we can go and we can surround Don and we can help Don know this Jesus that we know.
there's there's you you're looking at somebody in your group that needs to be energized and you're like man I got this guy Kirby I worked with him and no I'll save you for big curves no, no, no. <laughs> I got this guy Chad <laughs> in my group and he needs some energy you know he needs he needs to get fired up with Jesus again right and so you go to your group and you say I, I don't know how to help you what would you do how would you help I don't know, maybe a bunch of us guys just need to get together for breakfast and hang out with you, spend some time with you. Or you know what? I heard that he's remodeling his practice. Oh. <laughs> it has been for three years. He's having a little with this contractor. I'm not trying to pick on him. But are there things that we... Hey, what if our group, what if, what if our group showed up over there and said, hey, is there something that we can do to help Chad at his practice to get that remodel done, maybe? <laughs> What's he going to do? He's going to be like, oh, man, I forgot what my life's about. My life's about serving others. Look at these people who came to serve me. I forgot about what Jesus did for me, how he served me. And, and it, it changes things. That's why you need your small group. Or maybe you go, man, there's this guy Kirby. Dude's on fire for Jesus. It comes out in every email, every text message, every handshake. When he talks about his employees, when he talks about his wife, you just see Jesus losing. Because you do. At least that's been my experience. And you know what I want to do? I want to figure out ways that I can come alongside of Kirby and bring my group alongside to say, man, thank you for, for setting uh, an example for us. And I pray that Satan, who wants to do nothing but destroy you, doesn't touch you. And I'm praying for your marriage. And I think how it changes things. That's why we need our small groups. To well, Phil, I also think that we are not always in the center of that circle. I think we step out and let someone else come into the center because we may need to be energized, evangelized, or encouraged in any given time. So I think that circle is always evolving. Could be expanding, could be shrinking, but I think it's always evolving. I don't think we're always in the center. Uh, you're, that's perfect because the next thing I was going to say is don't forget that we're part of somebody else's sphere of influence. God gave us each other. I love the way you said it. That's why our small groups are so important. Because there, there are days when, when my wife and I went through almost five years of infertility, that if it wasn't for our small group, I was... We needed those people. And, you know, uh, there, were, there were days and weeks and months that neither one of us cared to lick about trying to evangelize or energize or encourage because we were broken and we needed it. You need each other. And they need you. They need you. 
God gave you that neighborhood that you're in. God gave you those people you work with. Those people you encounter every week at the feed store. Every week at, at the Starbucks. Wherever it is you go. So you can be an influence in their life so they can know Jesus. It's a privilege that we have. Which is the hard thing because we don't always look at serving people as a privilege, do we? But that's the reality. It's a privilege that we have to serve people. Um, other thoughts, comments, anybody else? I was given a list um, of the existing groups and it's somewhere because I haven't had a chance to talk to everybody and I figured out that some groups are really not meeting anymore. But if if I went off the list I had, it's somewhere around 15 to maybe 20. But there are several of those that are not, not meeting anymore. And so one of my goals this year is to help identify new small group leaders and help on some... Yes, um, I would include, if you have it, the Sunday night service at church for... You know, I thought it would... It, it's a mixed generation. It, mm-hmm. it didn't start out that way, I don't think. But um, I don't know. We, we keep up with each other. And... I have seen, also to put in a plug for the seniors, I have seen um, women who are bedridden in a nursing home influencing their aides. And it is, you know, you're never done. You're never done. You're never done. That's what. Retire. That's (laughs) what Ed Houston's talking about this morning down in the auditorium. You're not done yet. And, And that's exactly right. On your, on your, in your infirmary in a bed where you can't move and you can't do anything, you can still be the light of Christ and do these three things. And you're exactly right. There are, are people doing that every day. And so what about for those of us that are able-bodied? Yeah. You know. No, I think about the, the World Bible School group. There's a group of about six that meet every Tuesday morning. That's a small group. Yep. And they they have people that you know. There's a lot of small groups we don't focus. The, the Tuesday morning men's prayer group, anywhere from nine to about sixteen, meet every some every every Tuesday morning for uh, an hour Bible class and we go to Rosas to eat. I mean, some of you have created informal small groups. Uh, there, there's groups of men, groups of women that just get together regularly to do things together, and. I, I would encourage you to start thinking about how can we leverage our influence when you're together? Because you're doing, a, we, we do a great job again of these two things of reaching up and reaching in with most of our groups. But how do we take our influence and do this third part and reach out? How do we evangelize, energize, encourage those in our sphere of influence? So when you get together with those groups of people, you know. How can you help take them to the next level? Any other thoughts, questions, anything anybody might have? There's, there's so much more we can talk about. But I, I just want to remind you of this one thing that we've already talked about, because I think it's the most important thing, and that is remember that the people you engage, they're not problems to be solved. Okay? 
Sometimes they come to you and you go, oh man, if I spend some time, if I, I give any time to this person, man, that's just this big time consuming problem I got to deal with. And if we quit seeing people that way and see them as people to be loved, we'll change our community. We'll change our street. We'll change our oikos. And the kingdom will grow and God will be glorified. Let me pray over you. God, thank you for these folks that came this morning who are in love with you, who are in love with each other. Some of us are learning each other and learning to love each other. God, thank you for the heart that they have for their neighbors, for their family. I pray, God, that you just uh, let your spirit run wild in their lives. That, God, we would be empty of ourselves so that your spirit can just completely take over inside of us. And that, God, through the gifts of your spirit, we could be world changers. Not that we're going to change the whole world, but we can change our street. We can change our family. And so use us. Because as we change those, they'll change others. And Jesus will be King and Lord. And God, you'll be glorified. Bless us as we go with the rest of our family right now and worship you. It's to Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed being with you this morning a lot.